This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Tonight we're going to conclude the series that we've been through, been in uh, late fall and on into the winter uh, quarter here. We've looked at a number of things related to Isaiah, uh, the theme of the book, the fact that the Lord's going to take a nation of rebellious sons and turn them into a nation of witnessing servants when they turn their hearts to him at the end of the tribulation and then are really the missionary force as you go into the millennium. So we saw that. We looked at the fact that the really the focus of Isaiah as far as location on earth is the city of Jerusalem and, uh, and how our attention is drawn back over and over through uh, Isaiah's prophecy uh, to that great city. We had the opportunity to rejoice in how Isaiah talks about Christ, the Christology in Isaiah. And, uh, and there's so much said about our Lord, the, the suffering uh, lamb, the suffering savior. So much has been said that, that again, uh, some Bible uh, students and scholars have referred to Isaiah as the fifth gospel. There's just so much about our Lord there. Uh, and, and we've looked at other aspects. I hope that it's uh, encouraged you and given you more of an appetite to go to Isaiah's prophecy and to read it for yourself. But tonight we're going to close uh, by looking at the eschatology of Isaiah. What does Isaiah teach us about the doctrine of last things, end times? And a lot of the things that you know in your mind, if you're a Bible student, the preaching that you've heard, your own personal study, a lot of the things that you think about the end times are rooted right here in Isaiah's prophecy. And we're going to move quickly tonight. And that's why I've encouraged you a couple times, have paper and uh, pen handy. Uh, our uh, technicians tonight as we go to the Word of God are going to be flashing passages of Scripture from Isaiah up on the screen. You can write down those references and go back and study them later. But what does Isaiah say about end times? The message of Isaiah is very strong in its content of eschatological events. Many passages deal with the future destiny of the Gentile nations and Israel, especially at the center, again, of all the action is what the Lord will do in Jerusalem what he's going to do right there on Mount Zion. Isaiah's prophecy predicted in detail how God would judge the sins of ten Gentile nations. And that's part of the detail in Isaiah's prophecy. Those nations include Babylon, Assyria, Philistia, Moab, Syria, Ethiopia, Egypt, Edom, Arabia, Tyre, ten 
nations that God prophesied against because of their sin. And if you go back and you look at history, everything Isaiah says about what God would do, it's done. It happened. Let me just give you an example about one of these nations, and that is the nation of Tyre, which represents really, uh, at the time that, that Tyre was first destroyed, represented materialism. Uh, if you could go shopping uh, at the time of Isaiah's prophecy, uh, if you could take a shopping trip, a shopping vacation, if they had such things, you wanted to visit Tyre. It's right on the coast. It's beautiful. They say that if it could be sold in the ancient world, you could find it in Tyre. Materialism, but along with the materialism is the worship of material things. And that's what was happening in Tyre. God, through Isaiah, declared judgment on Tyre. Well, Tyre was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Seventy years later, it was rebuilt, and they went right back to their old ways. Well, what's interesting is that Tyre knew that there was a new threat, and the threat was Alexander the Great. And so they abandoned the city that was right on the coast, and they built a fortress out on the water built it up, put a, a city out there, and unless you had a strong navy, you were not going to take Tyre. But the Lord had made another prediction, not through Isaiah, but through Ezekiel, and that's found in Ezekiel 26. You can go back and look at this later. But the Lord predicted in Ezekiel 26 and verse 4 that Tyre would be destroyed again and that the city would be taken down and, and literally to the very dust of the stones that, that Tyre sat on. Ezekiel predicted that. Well, you know what Alexander the Great did? He pulled up there on the shore and he looked out at that fortress city on the water and he commanded his army to take down the city of Tyre. They destroyed it, took it down. They took it down to the very last stones where the, 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 the foundation of Tyre sat on, and they used all that rubble to build a causeway, a roadway right out to that city. And Alexander the Great, with his siege machines, his mighty army, they laid siege to Tyre, and they destroyed it. And there wasn't a stone left on another stone. If you turned around, looked down that causeway where the old city was, there was nothing there. And Ezekiel predicted that it would be just a place where, where people could sit on the edge of that and fish. Be great for fishing. And so why am I going into this detail? Why did God have Isaiah talk about those ten cities? Well, it's, it's very simple. We can look back at history and we can see that what God predicted happened. And here is our point. These prophecies have already been fulfilled in the past. It's the stuff of history. Proving that the Lord will have his will on future nations. 
So we've got these great nations, great navies, armies, right? China, Russia, America. Wait a minute. No match for God. And when he declares judgment because nations have turned from him to sin, when he declares judgment, it's going to happen. And you can read through Isaiah. And, and, and by the way, there's just a lot of material there. It's weighty. You can read about what God said against Ethiopia and what he said against Egypt and so on and say, why all of this? God was warning those people. And as you read that, it's a warning to us. What God is able to do. And so the eschatology of Isaiah follows two primary events in Scripture. You'll recognize them. The rapture where the Lord calls the church out, uh, and then the millennium. Now really, with the rapture, we're called out, but what's left? Well, what's left then is the great tribulation. All right, and so the tribulation uh, and then the millennium. So let's move to the great tribulation. Let's talk about that first. What does Isaiah say about that? Uh, and I'm not going to take time tonight to compare other passages. We've, we've all gone through the book of Revelation together. We saw all that, all that material and, and compared it to Daniel's prophecies. But I want us to just see tonight what Isaiah says about these events. Let's consider some of the main passages in Isaiah. So you've got your Bible open. And would you go with me to chapter 13, chapter 13 of Isaiah, and beginning in verse 6, how ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Let me just pause for a moment. That uh, expression, the day of the Lord, is used over and over in Isaiah's prophecy. And it's referring to the time when the Lord judges the earth in his wrath. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. It goes on to say that the day of the Lord, verse 9, uh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And you can read on. Write down some of these other references. We're not going to be able to take time to look at these longer passages, but write down Isaiah 24. Uh, there is a lot of detail in uh, Isaiah 24 about the tribulation. If you go to Isaiah 26, Isaiah 26, notice verse 20. Come ye people, enter into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, from a, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. See, great tribulation. God's indignation. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. 
We're going to say more about this passage in a moment. But imagine a time on the earth where there are so many dead you can't bury them all. That's what the Lord is helping us to see. There are many other passages that we could look at. I'd like us to just consider one more. Go over to chapter 42. Isaiah 42, notice please verse 13. Isaiah 42, verse 13. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. Now will I cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. That really sets the tone, doesn't it, for us? So key words that identify these passages. Again, the day of the Lord. References to the whole earth. When you look at previous judgments declared against the Gentile nations, there, there are specific nations that are named. But when you look at what Isaiah says about this time that we now understand to be the great tribulation, the whole earth is brought, into God's, uh, brought under God's wrath. All nations is referred to. And the Lord... Isaiah 66 and verse 16, the Lord will plead with all flesh. All flesh. So, main, main passages in Isaiah. Again, key words that will help you understand uh, what it is referring to. Now, let me just mention that Isaiah, uh, you have these references, and as you compare Scripture with Scripture, you're going to be able to put the pieces together. Some of these passages, you'll read them, and as the passage moves on, your mind, eschatologically, may shift to something else. Understand that what the Lord was saying to Isaiah uh, wasn't meant to be a specific outline about these events, but it does refer to them, and we can, we can put those, those pieces together. And we see the Lord do that Again, uh, Matthew 24, 25, where, where you have references to things that we know dispensationally uh, fit uh, very specifically with what later uh, Revelation says. Uh, but Isaiah is referencing that as well. So main passages. Let's move on now to the main places impacted by the tribulation. And when you look at the PowerPoint, earth and the heavens say, well, what's left out? Well, there really isn't any place. Okay, God is going to, during the tribulation, his, his creation is going to be impacted. The creation has already been impacted by rebellion. And so because of the curse, because of sin, God, his wrath is going to be seen. It's going to be felt both in the heavens and on earth. Let's consider, for example, the earth. And, um, and I've asked, again, our technicians tonight to be ready with uh, some of these passages. They're going to come up, and we're going to consider them quickly. But on the earth, what does Isaiah say will happen? Well, first, the earth will be shaken in the very places that men will run to hide. So, for example, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 21 
go to the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord. Okay. We're going to escape the Lord. We're going to get away from him. And for the glory of his majesty, when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. The very places where people will want to run and hide, God's going to shake those places and they won't be protection at all. What else does Isaiah tell us? Well, the earth will be moved out of her place. Chapter 13 and verse 13. Now we know that the Lord has so made his creation that really you don't want the earth to move out of her place. Everything is perfectly timed, perfectly situated in this galaxy. But it's going to be so catastrophic that it's going to move. We have to wait to see exactly what that's referring to, what God will do. But also with the earth, who will be made empty and a wasteland. Chapter 24 and verse 1. Devastation. We also know from Isaiah it will be utterly broken down. Chapter 24, verses 19 and 20. It will be broken. The earth is clean, dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. And then it will not be able to cover all of her slain. Chapter 26 and verse 21. Again, think about that. Now, as you reflect back on Revelation and remember the different judgments, the bowl judgments, the seal judgments, and so on that are poured out, we see... We see death in staggering numbers like, like the history of humanity has never seen before. Well, Isaiah predicted that as, as he spoke for the Lord. We'll not be able to cover the slain. In fact, we're even told that when you get into the millennium, the scripture says that they will continue to bury the dead for a while. Uh, the scripture tells us that the Lord will have to renew the earth. Why? Because of the devastation. So God describes the earth in Isaiah during the tribulation as a place of absolute devastation. Now this doesn't bring us any joy because during the tribulation we will all, the Lord comes soon, we will all know people who are left here. And that brings us no joy. Even if there are those that are destroying our society with their wickedness, those who oppose Christianity, it, it, a, a Christian whose heart is right with the Lord, it doesn't bring us any pleasure to, to see any of this stuff. But I'll tell you what it does do. It encourages us with the fact that God is in control. And all of us have a sense of justice because we've been made in God's image. When we know God as Savior, that even extensuates our sense of justice because now it's personal. Now we know that the sin that's committed and the things that are said are a direct affront to our Father and our Savior. And even in Revelation, we read about the prayers of God's people prayed to the Lord saying, how long, how long, how long are you going to let this go? And the judge of the earth will do right. 
He will do right. And the tribulation will impact earth. What else will be impacted? Well, Isaiah tells us that the heavens will be impacted. Isaiah 13 and verse 10 says that the sun, moon, and stars will be darkened. Now you'll see references to that again uh, in the New Testament, in Revelation. But notice what the passage says, For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. The heavens will be affected. What else about the heavens? Well, the host of heaven, the stars, will fall down. Isaiah 34 in verse 4 tells us, And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down. As the leaf falleth off from the vine and as a falling fig from the fig tree. There are going to be catastrophic changes that take place in the heavens. By the way, reminding inhabitants of earth who created the heavens wasn't a big bang. It was the God of heaven. And he's showing everyone that he is in charge and that he's offended by sin. So the earth is affected. The heavens are affected. Probably the most sobering part of Isaiah's prophecy is what he declares when it comes to man's plight during the tribulation. Man's plight during the tribulation. Let's just look at these quickly. First of all, man will hide in the caves and the holes of the earth. We've already seen that. Can you imagine that things are going to be so desperate that people will leave their dwellings People will leave uh, what, what you and I would consider as security, places of refuge. They'll leave those places and they'll try to hide in the rocks. It's going to be so bad. In fact, other prophecies in the New Testament tell us that they'll actually call for the rocks to fall on them, to, to obscure them from the, the sight of God. That's how bad it'll be. Also, Isaiah tells us that men will faint with fear. Their hearts will melt. We've already looked uh, at uh, uh, some of those passages, but Isaiah 13 and verse 7 tells us that. Isaiah 24 and verse 7, look, their, their uh, hands will be faint. Every man's heart shall melt. Every man's heart. Moving on. Man will be afraid and agonize like a woman in childbirth. Also, men will be desolate and burned. Isaiah 24 and verse 6. The idea here is that because of intense heat, they'll be parched. Uh, and again, Revelation talks about this as being part of the punishment. Uh, the wrath that is poured out, therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and fell, uh, and few men uh, left. Now, in the midst of all of this anguish, to me, one of the most sobering parts of what Isaiah predicts from the Lord is found in Isaiah 24. And if you'll go there with me, Isaiah 24, and look at verse 8. 
there will be outside uh, external anguish because of what has happened to the body. But notice Isaiah 24 and verse 8. The mirth of tabrets ceaseth. The noise of them that rejoice endeth. The joy of the harp ceaseth. People are not going to be listening to music. They're not going to be performing music and providing pleasure to others. They shall not drink wine with a strong, strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up and no man may come in. There is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. Think about that. So the Lord is not just using flowery language here. When he speaks like this, that's the way it is. Globally, no joy. The mirth of the land is, and what does the verse say? It's gone. And the city is left desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction. Verse 13. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree, as the gleaning grapes, when the vintage is done. There's just nothing left to provide joy. And then we've already referenced this, but Isaiah 34 and verse 3, the smell of human carcasses will rise from the earth. If you've ever smelled human death, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget it. Those of us who work with law enforcement, those of you that have been in the military, when you smell it, you'll never forget it. Imagine that that is a common smell during the tribulation time. You say, well, pastor, we're closing out 2020. This is, this is nasty, ugly stuff. God's trying to get the attention of earth. He really is. Man's plight during the tribulation. Now, what's amazing about Isaiah is that what we've just looked at, when you get into the millennium, there are passages that equally parallel the devastation with the renewal, the joy, the peace, and just the, the prosperity of what the earth is going to be like. And I would encourage you, if you want to do a Bible study, go back to these passages that we've looked at and find, find look at the, the uh, tribulation passages and then find the millennial parallels. It is remarkable. We don't have time to do that tonight. But let's look quickly. So what's going to happen during the millennium? We know at the end of the tribulation, King Jesus is going to come back. He's going to establish, he's going to destroy the armies of earth. Israel is going to turn as a nation, what's left of Israel, and they're going to believe on their Messiah. So the whole nation is going to be saved, but we have to qualify by saying what's left of the nation. And then the Lord will reign for a thousand years in Jerusalem. And this is where uh, a picture unfolds in Isaiah's prophecy that is the picture that many of us uh, have in our minds these are things that I was taught as a child in Sunday school and, and thrilled my heart, made me wonder, wow, what's that going to be like? Well, it's right here in Isaiah. So the millennium, number one, 
nature will be saved and be at peace. Now again, we want to we want to move quickly through some of these passages, but the scripture doesn't need any explanation. Let's just see what it says. Go to Isaiah 11. Isaiah chapter 11, notice verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, kid goat is the idea, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, one of the deadliest venomous snakes that there is. They'll play on the snake's uh, on the hole of where that snake lives. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Nature will be saved and be at peace. I can't wait. I can't hardly imagine an earth where that's the case. Go over to chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 7. The whole earth is at, what's it say? At rest. And is quiet. Wow. It's quiet. They break forth into singing. Remember I said those parallels? No joy, no singing, no music. The whole earth is breaking forth in sound, singing. Why? Because King Jesus is in control and everything is right. I tell you what, if you're getting over COVID, this will encourage your heart. This will encourage you. If you're struggling with other things, your annual Cold. All right, some have told me that. It's my time for my annual head cold. Look what God's going to do. Moving on. Gentile nations will be saved. All the way back to chapter 2 of Isaiah. And there are so many passages that we could look at. But chapter 2, look at verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go up and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. I can't read verse 3 without pausing to think, what is the word of the Lord? When you and I study our Bibles, where, where does it all point to? The gospel. The word of the Lord, yes, there's law, there will be order, but it's all about redemption. Verse 4, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nations, neither shall they learn war any 
more. So what happens in verse 4 when the Lord rebukes the nations? And then you have the result that you see here. They take weapons and they make them farm implements. What has taken place with the rebuke? They repent. They're converted. Go over to chapter 11. Please, and notice verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek. Speaking of Messiah, and this is how the verse ends here, and his rest shall be glorious. Again, Gentile nations will be saved. Now, along with the Gentile nations, again, we know from Scripture that even before that, Jerusalem and the Jews will be saved. King Jesus is going to wipe out the armies of earth at Armageddon. He's going to rescue those who are in Jerusalem and the city physically, but the inhabitants and the others who are still alive in the nation, they will be saved. Back to chapter 4. We saw the prediction about the Gentiles in chapter 2, but notice chapter 4, verse 2. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Ah, reference to the end of the tribulation. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. And he shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud of smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime for the, from the heat and for a place of refuge, and for a covert from storm, covering from storm, and from rain. Israel will be saved. Now again, there are just a multitude of passages that talk about the conversion of Israel. These glorious verses are condensed by Paul in Romans chapter 11, and our time is about up. So let's go there, and then we'll, we'll wrap up for this evening. Romans chapter 11. And go to the end of the chapter. Go to verse 26. And so all Israel shall be what? Saved. As it is written. Okay. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. The Lord's work during the millennium will complete the overall theme of Isaiah's prophecy. 
God's going to take a nation of rebellious sons and he's going to make them a nation of witnessing servants. So let's conclude. The prophecy of Isaiah ends on a solemn note. We've seen so much that encourages our, our hearts tonight. But it ends on a solemn note, and that's chapter 66. You go and read it later, okay? The picture of the glory of Zion is counterbalanced, again, and ends this prophecy with the punishment that is going to be meted out against the enemies of God. Chapter 66, verse 16, the slain by the Lord shall be many. That's what the scripture tells us. And the punishment, so the transgressors are described in terms used by Christ. This is chapter 66 and verse 24 to describe hellfire. So it's not just the fact that there's going to be judgment meted out on earth and, and all the awful things that are going to happen as God pours his wrath out against sin. But that is just the beginning. And then there's eternal death in the lake of fire. And so if you're listening tonight, coming to the end of 2020, and you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you need to believe on him. If you come to him and repent and invite him to be your Savior, he that cometh to me, the Lord says, I'll in no wise cast out. But remember, we've been looking at prophecies in Isaiah about the tribulation. And if the Lord comes back tonight and you're not saved, we just described your future. This is scary stuff, folks. Say, well, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Get your history book out and read about ten nations where everything God predicted about them, that happened exactly like he said. And all that testimony points to the future, and God is saying, I've predicted it, it's, it's going to happen. So he wants you to be saved. Won't you come to him? Won't you believe? Now, Christian, maybe you're, you're hurting tonight. You're getting over COVID. Maybe you've still, still got it, and, and it's just awful. It won't leave you alone. It's going on and on. Look. Look to heaven and look into the pages of Isaiah and realize your God is in control. And by the way, through history, he has been, and he, he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. He's got this. He is in control. And there's coming a day when he's going to take us to glory. He's going to come back, and we're going to watch King Jesus conquer and reign, and you're going to live on an earth like you've never seen before. And so let me close with this challenge, fellow believers. Psalm 917 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and the nations that forget God. That's what Isaiah predicted. But we have the opportunity now, like Isaiah, to bring good tidings of salvation. Isaiah 52 and verse 7. Oh, it's good tidings. 
to people who don't hear much good news. And so have beautiful feet because that's the passage where Isaiah said, beautiful are the feet of those who bring those good tidings on the mountains and publish news of salvation. So as we close out, as we look to a new year, Christian, don't be discouraged. Take heart. You know God, the God of Isaiah. And let's be faithful to take the gospel to those who so desperately need it because judgment is coming. And the Lord loves and wants to save them. Father, thank you for this final Wednesday night, 2020. Lord, there's a lot about this year we'd like to forget. But Lord, we can't forget your, your blessings that have far outweighed all the other things that have happened. And Lord, we look back on 2020 and have to confess that you have torn away all the things that even as Christians we want to put our trust in instead of trusting you. The things that bring us pleasure, Lord, those those have been taken away, where you've made us examine our hearts to see if we have any other gods before you. And Lord, you're bringing us to the point where we're ready for heaven because we realize there's no place where we can turn and no one we can trust but you alone. And we want to thank you for that. And God, would you so work in us that we will just be humble, faithful servants of yours, applying your truth to our lives. And Lord, this new year, may it be a blessed and fruitful year because we've learned to trust you only and to rely on you, walk with you. Bless our church family. Lord, would you grant each one a healthy but a fruitful uh, new year, one of spiritual growth. In Jesus' name, amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.